0: Wonderful to see you today. Welcome to join in the singing and worship in the Lord this morning.
1: We're ready to serve the Lord this morning through song, through being here. We just praise His name. And we want you to just say hello to those that are around you this morning. If you don't know each other, just say hello. We are so glad that you are worshiping with us today. that we are going through in life. Amen? He's already at the end. He's already been there. He loves us so much. Ah, we could rest him at this point. God is here with us today, ladies and gentlemen. He is here in this room with us.
0: Your love, O Lord, reaches to the heavens. Your faithfulness stretches to the sky, your righteousness is like a mighty mountain. I will leave my voice to worship You, my King. I will find my strength in the shadow. ¡Gracias! i Save us ring. are you listening in the lane so is listening A beautiful sight we're happy to walking in a winter on the land.
2: Okay, come on, you all were singing, I heard you. First hour, I was all embarrassed when so I got up there like, <gasps> like, no, no, I saw, I heard all of you singing. That's a good thing. Listen, these are songs that are all familiar, and it always brings out the warm fuzzies, right? So I encourage you to come on out on the 14th and the 15th of December In your bulletin it is this great-looking handout, and I encourage you to do two things. One, look at the information, take a picture of it, take this handout, give it to somebody. And don't just go, hey, awkwardly, hey, this is something that's at my church. Because that's how a lot of times we act, don't we? <laughs> like, tell them, hey, I'm going to this, I want you to come with me. And have them come with you, and it's going to be a great night. There's a full live concert right here, full set, full band, lights. I think there's snow. I mean, there's a, it's a great show. And then afterwards, each night over in the gym, there's going to be dessert. So if I didn't have you with music, hopefully I got you with dessert. So come on out the 14th and 15th at 7 p.m. And there's all kinds of information on our website as well as to how to get your tickets right here in the, your bulletin in the handout. Church, look in that bulletin. There's all kinds of, there's all kinds of stuff coming up. Believe me, there's a um, uh, few things coming up in the new year to check out. A couple classes, one on Wednesday, one on Sunday, Financial Peace University, a cherished uh, marriage study. So look at all these different things that are coming up. There's a youth event coming up in January, just please keep uh, keep checking out that bulletin each week, and uh, we're, we're going to keep that updated, because listen, we're not just busy for busy's sake, we're busy because we want to see people grow, we want to see people come to know Jesus, and that's what this event is all about, is having people, and giving people an opportunity to hear about Christ. And so that's going to be Ernie Haas and Signature Sound, 14th and 15th. And then, listen, um, I, I can carry a tune, Rhonda, Can I can I join the Christmas choir coming up? I'm putting her on the spot. <laughs> What's going on with this Christmas choir? Okay.
1: Well, we are choir this year. It's been several years since we've had one. And I know people have been asking me, you know, we're going to bring this back. We're going to bring this back. Well, this is the year. So the prerequisites are that you have to be able to carry a tune. You have to be able to sing. <laughs> you have to have a committed, loving relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. That is what we want to tell the people on Christmas Eve, how much he loves them. And we want to do it through music. So we're going to put a choir together. We're going to have a couple practices. And it is just going to be fun. So if you enjoy singing, can, can sing, love Jesus, and just want to be a part of it this Christmas Eve, please either email me. It's in the bulletin. Or uh, take the blue Connect card. Write your name on there. Your phone number. Your um, email would be good. And I will let you know. when We're going to have a couple practices right before Christmas. And um, it will just be a great time of just really using what you love to do to praise God on one of the most awesome times of year. So if you're interested, you can grab me up today or just, like I said, email me and I will get in touch with you. Thanks.
2: Great. Thanks, Rhonda. Christmas Choir, is that you? It's like a recruiting video. So make sure you go check that out. Talk to Rhonda and uh, we'd love to see you join that Christmas Choir and just seeing you all up on stage singing. Uh, There's nothing more attractive to somebody that doesn't know Jesus to look at somebody who's worshiping Jesus and question why. You know, they're just a passion. So this is a great opportunity for you to do that. Um, if you look in your uh, bullets and there's all kinds of information on uh, events that are coming up. One of those is our Thanksgiving Eve uh, night of worship and communion. So we're going to receive communion as a church. And then we're also going to we're going to sing. Uh, we're going to worship the Lord um, through song. And then we're going to hear stories of people who Jesus has completely changed their life. And so, please come on out um, this t- Wednesday at 7 p.m., and we're going to have our Thanksgiving Eve night of worship and communion. And then, uh, if you look in your uh, bulletin, there's the birthday gift to Jesus uh, list of all of our missionaries. And so, you can look at this list and just be in prayer. Again, our goal is $100,000, and our prayer goal is that we would make Jesus the most important that we would give the most to Jesus than anyone else on our Christmas list. And so as you look through these uh, these names, just be in prayer. Keep it on your refrigerator. Keep it just somewhere you can look at it and be praying over all these because 100% of what comes in goes out. And so we're going to ask God to provide above and beyond. And so, church, you've look at this. This is where we're at right now. It's 28,000 already. Like, that's awesome. Um, only God. So let's just continue to just trust and, and just God's going to grow us in this. Uh, giving is, is, is a part of spiritual growth, growing in our walk with Christ. And so God's going to grow us. This last Wednesday, we had our packing party and uh, we had about 150 people show up. Like it was it was incredible. And, um, you know, to see a vision of packing boxes that are going to be shipped all over the world. The kids are going to receive these boxes to see that vision grow. Um from, you know, some boxes coming in to a lot of boxes coming in. So we had um, 500 shoe boxes and items that took about three days to set up and organize. And in about 40 minutes, uh, you guys crushed four, 500 boxes. That's substantial. Um, and so, again, just we're, we need to be thankful that God allows us to be a part of something like this. Every gift that's going to be received by a child, these kids are going to hear about Christ. Um and so that's the greatest gift. So just good job, church. Good job. I'm proud of you. Like, that was awesome. That was tremendous. And so Deb um, Deb Metcalf leading the charge. Yeah, she was in tears most of the night. So it was hard to get. I was trying to get a video, and she just kept being in tears because it's overwhelming when God changes us and allows us to be a part of something like his mission. So good job. Very, very cool. Crossroads, as we continue on this, this morning. Um, I want to say thank you for being faithful unto the Lord. We give because we're, we're out of a grateful heart and a thankful heart. Um, and it's a form of worship. So you can give online through the mail or the offering boxes here in the church. But thank you for being faithful and giving unto the Lord. Um, would you stand with me uh, here in the house this morning? And uh, glad you're joining us online as well. Um, let's go before the Lord and, and just continue to just seek him as we, uh, as we continue on this morning. Uh, Father, we thank you that uh, you love us day in and day out. God, we don't deserve it. We, we, we fail all the time. And we thank you that, uh, Lord, you are uh, just an all-loving God who who wants the best for, for for his kids. And so, God, we thank you that we're called your own because of your son, Jesus, and a relationship with Jesus. We're part of your family. And so, Lord, this morning we just give thanks. We worship you and opportunities that you're giving us all over the place Packing party, um, youth events, kids ministry, God, to see these classes grow, to see, um, God, the the gatherings here on Saturday and Sunday, Lord. It's not just because we want to do more things with our time, but because we want to do the right things with our time. And so, God, thank you for allowing us to be a part of what you're doing here in this church and in this community. Uh, God, it's all for you. It's all for your honor and your glory. We We just ask for your blessing over this time. In Christ's name, amen.
1: Jesus in your heart. Jesus only Jesus. That name is so sweet when you say his name, Jesus. You know, he's the only Jesus that loves you more than anyone in the world. He's the only Jesus that came to earth, died on the cross for our sins, for your sins, for my sins. He's the only Jesus that rose himself from the dead because he loved us so much that he wanted to allow us the opportunity to call Him Jesus, only Jesus. He is now in heaven preparing a place for those who have called on His name, who believe that He is the Son of God, that has accepted Him as their Lord and Savior. It is Jesus, only Jesus, that allows us to even have the breath that we breathe this morning. Praise His name this morning. He is worthy of all of our praise.
3: As we continue in our series this morning the, uh, through the book of First Peter, just give you a little heads up. Next week we're going to be switching gears a little bit, and we're going to go into a Christmas series. All right. So it's hard to believe Christmas is already here upon us. Um, we're, you know, when you come in next Sunday. This place is going to be transformed into Christmas, all right? It's just, it's amazing how that happens. And it's just like what they do at Home Depot in September, but we wait till Thanksgiving to do it, all right? So it's going to be really good. It's going to be beautiful. Actually, a lot of it will be up on Wednesday night whenever you come in for our Thanksgiving Eve uh, night of worship. It's going to be a great time. But uh, we're calling the next series Christmas Classics. And so we're going to have a lot of fun with this series. We're going to be showing some movie clips and having a little bit of fun. But we're going to bring back the the clear message of Jesus. So why are we doing this for the next four weeks? It's an opportunity to bring somebody and invite them to church. It's an opportunity for you to put the word out and say, Hey, I want you to come check out church. Our pastor is doing a series on the Christmas classics, all right? And uh, it will be, uh, will be a lot of fun, and it will also have a lot of meaning to it. So I want to encourage you to be here for that. I want to encourage you to bring somebody. So, you know, most people will come to church if they are invited. There's statistics out there all over the place. Most people will come to church if they're invited. All you have to do is invite them. And we make up so many excuses. Well, they would never come. They would never do this. And so I'm going to encourage you to invite them. So we have four weeks of Christmas here. We're going to start next weekend uh, with our Christmas series, Christmas Classics. And then we have the Ernie Haas event that Luke already shared about. Uh, we're going to have that as an opportunity to bring people. And then we have our Christmas Eve service. We will have an 11 o'clock, a 3 o'clock, and a 5 o'clock Christmas Eve service. So the day will be full, and it will be a wonderful day. So I'm going to encourage you to uh, to invite somebody. These are all opportunities. And if you'll just put the word out and invite them, personally invite them, um, you know, don't slide it under the door, but uh, go over and uh, just invite somebody and uh, make a phone call. It's amazing what will happen when somebody will say, yeah, I'll meet you there and then go out to lunch with them afterwards and get, get, get you know, there's nothing wrong with good lunch afterwards, right? So uh, have a good time. So as we're jumping in today, I want to talk about this thought as we wrap up on chapter four here uh, for our series here today is how do you live in the last days? You know, when we're looking through the Bible, the Bible talks about end times, talks about last days. And part of what Peter was doing was Peter was preparing the church how to live in the end times. Now, that was 2,000 years ago, almost 2,000 years ago, that they thought it was the end times. And so, therefore, if that was 2,000 years ago and he, he's teaching them that these are the last days, I want you to know how much closer we are to the very last days, right? So we are closer and closer to the end times. Many people have a lot of uh, discussion out there right now about the nation of Israel. You know, the nation of Israel that you are re- that you're watching on the news is the same nation of Israel that we're talking about from the Bible. As you go through and you read the Old Testament, you see that God gave them the land. He made a promise to Abraham. And so you, you see these events that are happening in our world, and, uh, and they are big, serious events that are happening. And people have gotten concerned. People said, well, what does this mean for us? Well, just let me tell you that, that uh, times have always been bad. We don't know what's going on out there in the world right now. We don't know what's happening with Israel, but we know it's a critical battles that are happening. We know that we must stand with them, but we also know that it is end times. We are just that much closer to the final battle. And one day Jesus will be coming back. And so what do we do in the meantime? Jesus hasn't come back yet, and we're expecting him to come back. How are we supposed to live in the meantime? Well, Peter says that you're going to suffer. I want you to think about this. A rose, when it's crushed under a foot, when you step on a rose, it emits a fragrance when it's released whenever you step on it. Uh, sycamore fruit, it must be cut or punctured to be ripened with sweetness. It must, in order for it to become sweet, it has to be punctured or ripened. Uh, punct, uh, it must be cut or punctured in order to be ripened. Gold must be placed in a furnace. It must be placed under the fire to reach full value and purity. An old log. Now consider this. You take an old log, you have a fire around your house, uh, the uh, campfire, and you take an old log, and it's not until you put that old log on top of the fire that it begins to make that music of all that crackling that you just sit there and listen to and relax around the campfire. As saints, I want you to catch this. As followers of Jesus Christ, before we can look high, we are going to look low. We must be laid low. Uh, before, we know his, uh, we, we, before we know his smiling, we will know his smiting. Our hearts must be broken before the richest content can leak out to bless other people. One man said it like this, before God can use a man, he must break a man. And you know, that's so true. We have pride, we have so many things that need to be broken, and God must break us in order to use us. And so as we look here today, we're going to see in the scriptures here, how do we actually see God? The the practical way that we're to live in these end times that we're living in. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. That he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drunken parties, drinking parties, and abdominal idolatries. In regard to these, they think it strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. For they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason, the gospel was preached. Also to those who are dead, that they uh, for this reason, the gospel was preached also to those who are dead, that they might be judged according to the men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. So these are the first six verses of chapter four. And I want to just give you a few thoughts from there today. First of all, in your notes is this. We will suffer for his glory. We will suffer for the glory of God. And so as God's called us to suffer, I think in our lifetime, we don't think of suffering a whole lot. But I want you to realize that more Christians have died in the last century than any other century. John MacArthur states it like this. This is from John MacArthur. He says, some experts state that approximately 200 million Christians worldwide face continual threat of harassment, torture, and even death because of their uh, faith in Jesus Christ. It is believed that more followers of Christ were martyred in the 20th century than in the previous nineteenth centuries combined. Now, folks, we don't think like that too often. We think that we've got it pretty good here because we're living for God and our faith is not challenged a whole lot. Um, but I want to let you know that the rest of the world is not living and enjoying the freedom that we experience here in the United States. We've had a religious freedom. We've had the ability to come and gather and assemble up here. And we've not paid too much of a price of persecution for it. But the rest of the world is paying a a dreaded persecution. You look around the globe, there are places that, that it's illegal to be a Christian. Absolutely illegal. If they find out you're a Christian, they're going to arrest you. It's illegal to preach the gospel. I have heard stories of many, many stories around the globe. People preaching the gospel and men of God ending up in jail for simply preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. You see, Peter comes along as he comes along and uh, and is talking about this. How are we going to do this in the end times? How are we going to do it under the persecution? And by the way, the church was under extreme persecution at that moment. What does Peter say? Peter doesn't come along and give a bunch of mushy words. Peter doesn't even use sympathy. He gives the powerful promises of God. He says, and all through the letter we've been looking, this world is not your home. The world is not your home, believer. This is not, the, this is not your final stop. You're just passing through this place. You're in exile. You're living in a foreign land, and uh, your home is heaven. There's a guaranteed future that's too wonderful for words. And so as you look, he says, you've got this living hope. And yet in the midst of the living hope, we have a unique opportunity to share Jesus Christ. And so what I want to encourage us to do is to take this unique opportunity and share Jesus Christ with the world around us. Peter gives encouragement. Peter tells us uh, how to endure here. He tells us the instructions on how to do some practical instructions. Verse 1 there, he says basically that sin is no longer our master. Therefore, verse 1, therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh. Now, when you see that word, therefore, you ask yourself, what's it there for? So, it, referring back to chapter 2, verse 18, where he says, and, and, and I'll just read that to you, chapter 3, verse 18, he says, "...for Christ also suffered once for sins." the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. So he says, therefore, since Christ suffered, so he's pulling off the suffering, the theme of suffering, since Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. He's called us to arm ourselves. This word arm is a powerful word. It's a military term. And uh, in the Greek, uh, the, the Greek word is hoplizo, And hoplizo means this. It means to be ready. It's a, a term that a soldier would use when taking up a weapon in preparation for battle. This picture here of the, of the Roman soldier shows what they would do. They would pick up their, their sword and they would pick up their shield and it would be a whole lot of armor upon them. Kenneth Wiest, a, uh, the, a noted uh, Greek scholar, he says this of, that, of this word in this particular passage. He says, The noun of the same root was used of a heavy-armed foot soldier who carried a pike and a large shield. Kenneth Weiss goes on to say this. He says, The Christian needs the heaviest armor he can get to withstand the attacks of the enemy of his soul. Folks, I want to remind you this morning... That there is is a war that is happening. We've talked about it many times. There is a spiritual war that's happening for your soul. as a spiritual war that's happening for everything good against God. And it's been going on since the Garden of Eden. This is not something new. This is something that's continuing on. And listen, folks, Satan is waging a war against your family. He's waging a war against you, against everything good that comes from God. And as you get out there and you are living your life, I'll tell you what we've got to do. We've got to be able to arm ourselves. The scripture says to arm yourself. I've told you before, I'm not afraid of Satan. I'm not afraid of his fiery darts. But I am not going to take it on alone. I cannot take Satan on alone. I must have the power of God. And this is where you need the, the sword and the shield. And, uh, and Peter says here, he says, to, to arm yourselves with the same mind of Jesus Christ. That even though you're suffering, you're defending against the enemy. Like there's an enemy that's attacking, and the enemy's attacking, and he's attacking you, he's attacking your family, it's attacking everything good. What God's called us to do is to arm ourselves. You see, the, the Christian life is not a vacation, the Christian life is not about, hey, how good is the experience? How, how much comfort do I have as I'm walking the journey? And listen, I, will, I, would not, I would not trade the Christian life for anything in the world. It is the greatest experience, and I would say it does have more comfort than any other journey. But let me tell you, you will have Satan attacking. And as Satan is attacking, it's not easy. And many believers have this mentality that they're just going to kind of go from life and they're going to just make, make this the, the nicest, easiest passage way to get through this world till I get to heaven. And God says, no, you're going to suffer. And Satan is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And so he tells us to arm ourselves and come up against and realize that you're going to be facing these attacks. Uh, the, 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 the Christian life is not a vacation is more like a soldier tour of duty and as the soldier's on his tour of duty he's going to face fierce conflict on the co- fierce conflict on the soil he says therefore since Christ suffered for us in the flesh arm yourself also with the same mind for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin and what what Peter's saying here is you know if you're going to be a follower of Christ and you're committed to following him Eventually, you're going to suffer for he who has suffered in the flesh. And so, what he's saying here is not that you will never sin again. He's saying that you have closed the door on your former life. You see, there was a former life. There was a before Christ moment in your life. And so, what, we're, what he's saying here is that you are going to come and you are going to break with a sinful lifestyle. He who has suffered in the flesh. See, if you are if you are going to suffer for God, that means you're committed to him. That's what a committed follower of Jesus does. They will suffer. And we're going to look here at a little bit of suffering. He's going to explain more of this. But for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. In other words, he's walked away from the old lifestyle of sin. Romans chapter 6, verse 6 and 7 explain this. Says, uh, Paul says here, for we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free to the power of sin. Folks, as these attacks are coming on to your life, as they're coming on your family, they're coming upon your marriage, they're coming upon everything about you, God says that you do not have to go there anymore. You do not have to walk in a, a, in, in a slavery to sin. You don't have to just go to your own ...fleshly desires. You don't have to go out and keep living according to what makes you feel good... ...to your pride, to your workaholism, to any of the things that would get in the way. He says, listen, you don't have to go there anymore. You have been set free from the power of sin. The problem that we struggle with today is we have not yet been set free from the presence of sin. When we get to heaven, there will be no sin. I love that. When you read about heaven, it says there will be no sin in heaven... Well, thanks be to God that Jesus died on the cross and made us righteous before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen? So as we are righteous in the, throne, uh, in the sight of God, that's how we get into heaven because of what Jesus did on the cross. But as we're here, we have this battle with the desires of the flesh. And the scriptures go on to say here in verse 2 that we are no longer uh, we're no longer our, that's no longer our master. He says that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. He compares the lust of men to the will of God. The lust of men is total opposite of the will of God. And as you're looking, he says, man, as a believer, you no longer should live the rest of your time here in the flesh while you're here on earth for the lust of man. In other words, just live into your own pride, live into your own ego, live into, uh, live into any desire of the flesh that you might have. And he says, This is the these are the things you don't go to anymore, but now you live for the will of God. Man, how can we live for the will of God? What is God's will for my life? That's a that's an excellent question. I think many people ask that question all the time. Uh, how will you spend the rest of your time? We should spend the rest of our time looking for God's will in our life. And, uh, you know, I've heard many people say this throughout the years that they're looking for God's will for their life. If only they could just know what God's will for their life is. The best of your time is when you spend, when you use the rest of your time to invest your time in doing the will of God. The best of your time is when you use the rest of your time. To invest in the time, to invest your time in doing the will of God. So whenever you give your time to God's will, that's going to be the best thing that you can do. And as you look through this, don't get too mystical about what God's will is. I think people have this idea that God's will is some mystical thing out there, and maybe one day I will find it. Well, certainly, there's two big, big important days in your life: the day that you were born, and the day that you understand why you were born. And I think as we put those two together, we find God's will because God has made you uniquely you. God has given you gifts and talents. God has created you with special likes and dislikes. He's given you a different niche than I have on, in, uh, in his kingdom. But we're all in the same kingdom. Let me show you this here. The, the will of God is that I love God and that I love others. That's, that, everybody has to do that. The will of God is that I make disciples who will make disciples. We see that in the Great Commission. Um, so uh, go into all the world and make disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So as we look and we, we see this marching orders that God gave us, we are marching forward for what he's called us to do. And that was, that's the will of God for our life. We already know what we're supposed to be doing. Now, the question comes down to where should I live? Is it God's will that I live in Pittsburgh or Philadelphia? Well, that's clear. Pittsburgh. Right? I mean, God wouldn't want that. No, I'm just kidding. But listen, you you, you look at this, and sometimes God gives you choices. Sometimes you get to make choices within the will of God, and sometimes the choices are both good choices. I can choose A or B, and they're both good choices. I could be here as a pastor, or I could be a farmer. They're both good choices. They're both in the will of God. Now, if God had... Now you have the, the individual has to say, Okay, God, what is my likes? What's my dislikes? How have you led me? How have you guided me? God, lead me and guide me down this direction. So there's the will of God. And so you always be looking. you always be asking Him for His will. I think it's important that we get up every day and we ask God for His will. Lord, what would you have me do today? You know, we sometimes think that God's will is only in the big decisions. Well, they're in every decision. God, what would you have me do today? Lord, as I get ready to, to go in and get gas today down at the gas station, what, what would you have me do today? Is there somebody you want me to say hi to in that, in that place down there? Who should I encourage in the body of Christ today? And so these are, this is the will of God. And so as you look at this, let me give you a couple other things that are in the will of God. He says, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. Who belong to Jesus Christ. Be thankful in all circumstances. Quite often we're not. Quite often we're pretty excited about the good things. If you come out on Wednesday night this week. To our Thanksgiving Eve night of communion. We're going to have a time of communion. We're going to worship the Lord. And we're going to hear some people just give thanks to the Lord. And some people are going to give thanks to the Lord. Even though it was a really rotten year. Even though they had the worst year of their life, they're going to give thanks to God because that's what the Scriptures tells us to do, be thankful in all circumstances. You know, I think it's great when we ask the kids, what are you thankful for? And they come up with, you know, I'm thankful for my dog. I'm thankful for my mom. I'm thankful for mashed potatoes. I'm thankful for pumpkin pie. Well, what happens when there's no dog and no mashed potatoes anymore? Heaven forbid, no pumpkin pie. What happens? You see, here's what happens. We've got to come back to, to the Lord. We've got to say, okay, God, this is, this is all about you. This is all about your, your, your will in my life. I think sometimes we get life so bent out that it's got to be about my comfort. And as I'm looking forward in my life and I'm looking forward to the will of God, listen, God wants me, he wants you to be faithful in what he's called us to do. Listen, as a pastor, I'm called to be a faithful pastor. Man, can I tell you that it's easy all the time? Most of the time it's not. It's hard. So is your job, whatever God's called you to do. Um, I'm called to be a faithful husband. Man, is that an easy job? I guess for me it is. (laughs) Because I live with the queen, right? But listen, listen, this is not easy. Marriage is not easy. Marriage is the hardest work that you'll ever get yourself into. God says, I want you to be faithful. You see, that's the will of God. You don't, you, don't have to, you don't even have to search Scripture too hard for that to be faithful in your marriage. Like, that's it. It, it, doesn't, you know, it doesn't say, hey, you've got to be happy all the time. You've got to have all your needs met. You've got to have all kinds of warm fuzzies. Listen, warm fuzzies don't last too long. Warm fuzzies are there for a while. Then you've got to turn the furnace on to get warm again, right? It's, like, it, it's just the way life goes. And I want to encourage you that these are the things that the will of God is. The will of God is to seek first his kingdom. Jesus said that in Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. He will take care of everything when you follow him first. We seek first the kingdom of God. We are armed. Man, arm yourself, because Satan's coming. And listen, Satan is a deceiver. Satan will come, and he will get you thinking wacky. That's my translation. Wacky, right? He will get you thinking wacky. You know how Satan does? Satan gets you to think with your emotions and not with the facts. Satan will get you to think, and he distorts. We have the whole world right now that is living in deception right now. Man, I can't begin to tell you. If I could stop and talk about the deception that we're seeing in the world right now, it's amazing as I keep hearing over and over. I turn on the news and I hear deception after deception after deception. Why? People are blinded to the truth of God's Word. And so I want to encourage you in your family, in your home, in your community, and the ministry that God's called you to. Every one of you have a ministry. Arm yourself and put away the old And look to the will of God. Look what he says here. He says, verse 3, For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles. When you see that, you can just replace it with pagans, the people who don't know God. We have spent enough time of our past lifetime in doing the will of those who do not know God. When we walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. What he's saying here is that every believer has a B.C. and an A.D. Before Christ. You know, we're going to talk about that here coming up with Christmas, right? Jesus was, he was the marker of all time. All of time. We record time, B.C., before Christ. A.D. is in the year of our Lord. And I realize the world has tried to change that. The Jewish people called, was it? Before Common Era, I think they call it. Before Common Era, B.C.E. But let me tell you, it was before Christ. Jesus Christ changed the whole calendar. And let me tell you, when Jesus Christ came into your life, he changed your whole life. And you had a before Christ period. Now you have the year of our Lord. You have the day of our Lord. So for some of you, that B.C. moment, that before Christ, came five years ago. For some of you, it came five days ago. People are coming to Christ incredibly in our church. I'm so excited for what God's doing in our church. I believe we've had over 100 people come to Christ this year alone. Isn't that exciting? Yeah, thank God for that. Thank God for that. I believe that we have had 75 people come to baptize. The one, we're going to have another one today. So if I'm right, that'll be number 76. It may be 80. I don't know the exact count, but I know we're up high. And so we have another one at the end of the service today. Isn't that exciting? God just keeps doing his work. Yes, thank God. Thank God. So what, 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 what has happened here is the scriptures tell us that we have a before Christ and then we have after Christ. We have what Christ has done in our life. This is the new way. And Peter says we must break away from the old ways. You know that list there? We walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries. Many translations, I looked at many different translations, and they all translate them slightly differently. Lewdness and lust talk about sensuality. All the sins of sensuality. Drunkenness, that's pretty clear. Revelries, drinking parties. Um, all kind of filth. All kind of filth. And if you, I'm not going to take the time to go through all the filth, but let me tell you this, he says there, we've spent enough time over there, it's time to do the will of God. And so, here's what happens in our life, if you came to Christ as a child, and I thank God for that, because I did too, I was seven years old when I came to Christ, I didn't have this list in my BC, in my before Christ, I was in, into sex, drugs, and rock and roll at that point, maybe just rock and roll, okay, I was seven years old. Somebody explained to me downstairs in what is now the yellow room how to have a personal relationship with Jesus, and I started that relationship with Christ. God stepped into my life, and I'm not going to tell you I lived the perfect life, but I have been on a journey seeking the will of God. And sometimes when we have a story like that, we think that we don't have a story. Just a few weeks ago, we were having a How to Share Your Faith class downstairs, We had about 33 people down there. Isn't that exciting, folks? And they're learning how to share their faith. And so step number one is how to share your story. And so, um, you know, typically when you hear somebody share their story in church, they tell you how that they were into all this crazy lifestyle, and then all of a sudden God straightened up their act. They came to Christ, and God made them a new creation. And somebody raised their hand in the class and said, you know what, we just don't have that exciting of a story. I mean, I came to God as a little kid, and this was my story. And then somebody else in the class, and I'll never forget this. Somebody else in the class raised their hand and said, Hey, do not discredit your story, because I don't have a story that's like that. And this person was probably 35 and said, I wish I had that. And I'm intrigued as to why you've been following Jesus ever since you've been seven. And you're older than I am. You see, the world is fascinated by your story, folks. The, the before Christ. Whether your before Christ was you were still in pencils in first grade, or you were into the lewdness and drinking parties and all the idolatries. Listen, abominable idolatries. We still struggle with that today. When you hear that word, you're kind of like not sure what it is. How about anything you put before God? That's an idol. You can worship your bank account. You can worship your clothing. You can worship your good looks. I really struggle with this. (laughs) Listen, you can worship anything, okay? And what it is, is those become the abominable idolatries. You You can have in your life, listen, you can have in your life an idol that my life is going to be perfect. And that I'm better than my neighbor was. And listen, God says, we don't do that anymore. We have a different drive. It's the will of God, and as we do this, you take your story. whether your story was, uh, was radical or not, it is radical because Jesus saved sinners. That's a radical thought. I deserve to go to a Christless eternity and Christ saved me. No matter how much time you spent in the flesh, it was enough. Look what Ephesians 5:15 says, "So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools. But like those who are wise, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled by the Holy Spirit. We have a new direction. We have a new path. And folks, I want to encourage you to seek God's will in your life, not your own comfort. Verse 4, he continues on. He says, in regards to these, they think it's strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. And so what will happen, folks, is that your friends will quite often come and they will ask you, uh, maybe when you have a new life and some old friends, your old friends may get irritated. Your old friends may say, well, what do you mean you don't do that anymore? What do you mean you don't go to these type of parties anymore? What do you mean that you... You know, doesn't God want you to have fun? Doesn't God want you to have your needs met? And these are the type of things that the lost people will throw at you and will get you. They'll say, what is wrong with you? Because you were their friend and now you're going a new direction and they don't understand it. They may ignore you and they may even speak evil of you. The word there in the Greek for speaking evil is blasphemeo. That's from where we get the word blasphemy. And blasphemy means to, uh, to, to have a harsh, slanderous outburst against the sacred thing. So here you are, you're, you're living your life and you say, man, I, I'm not going to go do that party thing anymore. I, I'm not going to go get drunk anymore. I, I'm not going to be involved in those sensual things. I'm a married man. I'm not going to be involved in the coarse jokes anymore. And, and listen, all of a sudden you have this new lifestyle. And your old friends go, well, who in the world do you think you are? You think you're all good. Well, we remember it was just a year ago you were doing this. And you started a whole new life. God's given you the new life. He says, in regards to these, they may think it's strange that you do not run with them. In the same way that they're going. And they'll start speaking evil of you. Folks, you know what it is? God the Holy Spirit is upon you. And when you are convicted of something, and you don't go down that route anymore. You know, maybe some friends invite you out for drinks after work, and you just didn't have a drink. And they saw the difference. People invite me out for drinks all the time. I don't have drinks. And I just sit there. And I drink about 40 Diet Cokes. <laughs> but let me tell you, they respect me. If that was your friend that you was a drinking partner with, and you made this new change, they may say, what's wrong with you? Do you know why? Because they're feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is starting to work. And they say, why? Why do you think you're so good? And what it is, that the light has blinded them. The scriptures tell us that we are to be patient and share Jesus with them. Don't be offended because somebody spoke evil of you. I said it like this in the first service. Somebody's speaking evil of you. At least they're speaking of you. Many people were just forgotten out of people's conversations completely. You know what? There's a little jealousy going on in their heart. There's a little conviction. And the Holy Spirit's going to use you. So please don't come and dumb this down. Don't go into that environment and say, I'm, no, I'm, not, I'm, you know, I'm really not that bad. I, okay, I'll just have one. Listen, the Holy Spirit's using you. Be patient and share Jesus. Number one, because they're blind. The Scriptures tell us in, uh, in the book of Ephesians... Uh, the, I'm sorry, let me jump ahead of my notes here. The, the scriptures tell us that uh, in the book of 1 Corinthians here, okay, 2 Corinthians, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. And so they, they can't see because the it's so blinding to them. Satan has got blinders on your friends' and family's lives, folks. And please be patient with them and love them and care for them. And you don't have to surrender and go back to the old way. There's a door that is closed in your life. It's the before and after. You're a new person. You're a new creature. So you don't have to go there anymore, but you still have to love them. And we still have to bring them to Jesus Christ. Not only are they blind, but they're dead. The Scriptures tells us that they are spiritually dead. See that's what Jesus did. he made he took when he died on the cross and rose again from the dead, he did that so that he could make the spiritually dead alive. Oh, I love that I love that so today I want to invite you to Jesus listen folks, as we are rolling into this Christmas season, please let's go out and let's bring people into jesus this Jesus told a Uh, A story he told them to go out and to compel them, go out into the highways and byways and compel them to come in. And I want to encourage you, take the next four weeks, take the next uh, whole month of December and let's compel people to come to Jesus and take them out to lunch afterwards. Hang out with them and just listen to them and care for them and love on them and see what God will do and be patient and share Jesus. The there are two points in your notes, and we're out of time, but let me give you these two points. is to serve for His glory. He's called us to serve the people. And so serving is so much more than just serving here in the church. Listen, if you're serving in the church, we applaud that and we thank God for that. But this is just one area. It's one hour a week. Serve your community. Go out and serve the people in this town. We serve for His glory, and then we will the last one is to share in His glory. You will share in His glory, and it will be glorious. Let's close in prayer with our heads bowed and eyes closed as we prepare for our, for our baptism this morning. I want to invite you to Jesus. Maybe you're here and you say, Ken, that was a, a message that was, wow, there's a lot there. God's called us to love a generation to care for them, to care for the lost, to go out into this world and to bring people who are not followers of Jesus, to bring them to the loving arms of Jesus. So God, I pray that you will do that right now, that you will just, in our own church, Lord, for those in here that have not trusted you as their Savior, Lord, God, that today would be their day. And if you're in here this morning you've not yet trusted Jesus, would you call on Him this morning? And just pray something like this. Dear Jesus, I need you. You died on the cross. You rose again. I'm a sinner. And I trade my heart of sin for your forgiveness this morning. And for others in this room, as believers, as you're following Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you in these final days, these days as we get closer and closer to the return of Jesus would you realize that you're going to suffer arm yourself don't go out and suffer for doing sin suffer for following Jesus God we thank you I pray you'll convict each one of us Lord your Holy Spirit power will go down deep into the heart and soul of each person in this room God Use your word to convict us, to draw us closer to you, Lord. Attitudes and actions that must change. God, give us that drive to the will of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together and sing a closing song before our baptisms today.
4: Everybody, if you could come down. This is Lexi Ogroski. Come over here. She is a high schooler, she's a senior actually. Can you guys give her a hand to welcome her on stage? I've gotten the privilege to get to know Lexi ever since I got here. Uh, she's had an absolutely wonderful. Time being here, she she says that she is so happy to be at church that there's nothing else that gives her so much joy. So, Lexi, I have one question for you. What's that? Have you accepted Jesus to be your Lord and Savior?
0: Yeah.
4: Good. (laughs) So, upon that proclamation of faith, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried in the likeness of Christ and lifted just like he was. <laughs> and then you're good to come back up. Thank you guys for coming. Just listen to Pastor Ken for whatever else he's got to say.
3: Here's the rest of the sermon. All right. Hey, let's thank God for that. We thank God for the Grosky family and what God's doing in your life, man. That's awesome. That's awesome, man. Please stop by and congratulate the, uh, Alexi and her family. And we just want to thank God for what he's doing in the church family. Isn't it awesome, guys? So I think it's 76, 81. I don't know. There's a lot of baptism. But we thank God for what he's done. Amen. Let's stand together and be dismissed. Have a great weekend.